Alright everybody, welcome to JPS Football Sunday morning. Uh, me and Rich are here today. I'm your host, Elliot. We're, um, we're going to get you ready for game time. Um, this is hopefully going to be a new segment for us where we get together Sunday mornings to get you prepped for the games uh, happening on any given week. So it is week two. Um, what we're going to want to do is talk about our teams because on the main show, the football show, we try not to bore you too much uh, with Cowboys and Giants talk. But since it's just us, I think we're going to do that to start. So segment one, let's talk about the New York Giants. What do you got to tell me, Rich? Um, we have to do a much better job on the offensive line, being able to push forward and just uh, getting Barkley more manageable situations. Um, and not just Barkley, just to keep you know the other team honest in terms of when we're trying to use uh, anything north downfield. Um, to my understanding, Golden Tate is a game-time decision. I personally don't think he's going to play today. I did notice last week, early in the Pittsburgh game, we had their defense very confused when we were going hurry up. And I do think uh, with the three tight ends that we have on our roster, it would behoove the Giants, especially in Tate's absence, to maybe have uh, Evan Ingram start lining up a little more wide. You know, young team still kind of finding their way. I think it's important that you try to find the mismatches that you're blessed with. And Evan Ingram is definitely a mismatch. And I just don't think they're using him properly if they expect him to be a down blocker. He's not built that way. He's built like a receiver, but he happens to play tight end. And I feel that uh, if the Giants do that, it opens up space. I also think moving Barkley out wide a little bit more frequently would help him. Yeah, I think, you know, those are solid calls. But the, the major issue with you guys is the O-line. Now, we're talking about Giants uh, against the Bears today. Um, and they got a pretty nasty front seven. That they so do. as much as you'd like to see them spread it out, you you got to keep one of them back more often than not, probably to help out in pass protection, don't you think? Yes and no. Uh, we do carry Tololu and Caden Smith, who are more so traditional tight ends and better blockers. Um, I don't. I just don't see the rushing game taking as much of a hit as they did, um, you know, one week ago. I think Pittsburgh's in a very uh, esteemed class. Um, not taking nothing away from the Chicago Bears, but I do think that they have a little more imperfections where the yeah. Giants might be able you were, to take you advantage. Were, you were definitely big on Pittsburgh um, preseason. You were calling them as not necessarily a favorite, but definitely going to have a bounce-back year um, after week one. You're still feeling that way? Yeah. Yeah, what I saw, what, what I saw in that game was that in order – in order to get a team like that on their heels, uh, you have to play hurry up, you know, get the ball out of your hands as quick as possible, take what they're giving you. And I think where the Giants went wrong, and other teams may as well, because like today Melvin Gordon might run into that, um, you got to take what they give you, but I understand why the Giants kept running the ball, because, you know, you got to keep them honest to try to open up the play action and open up things downfield. I do think it's a more favorable matchup. And then on the other side of the ball, what I was encouraged about, is uh, the Giants, who all offseason, you know, the MO on them by a lot of analysts is that they don't have a pass rush. And Pittsburgh's a very good offensive line, but I was encouraged to see guys getting after Ben. And even on plays that Ben got rid of the ball and even converted, he was on his back enough. Zoe Carter looked good. Uh, Marcus Golden. Blake Martinez, uh, in a losing effort, he doesn't miss many tackles. 
and uh, you know, if a teammate misses one, he's right there to save the play. And uh, I think it was a quality pickup for them. Well, I think you nailed something too. There, a lot of fans might not think of this, uh, think of it this way, but you know, D line play isn't just penetration, right? A lot of people notice, um, you know, your clownies or your great pass rushers coming up field, and occasionally they'll make a big play in the run game against or uh, deep in the backfield, but realistically with a strong pass rush, you're trying to hold position on the line as much as you are trying to get into the backfield. So you guys keeping teams honest is very important because if you can keep that D lineman from trying to hit the corner to get against Daniel Jones because he's worried about Saquon gashing that space he left, um, then it's, it's going to pay dividends um, when it comes to your passing game. If you got to worry about the run, you're not coming off the ball as fast and going as far upfield. That'll give you that extra split second you may need to get a ball downfield. So, you know, it's despite weaknesses on the O-line, if you can keep them off balance, you'll you'll have success in the passing game. It's it's a truism as in football, and no matter how the game changes, that that's going to remain true. And a key telltale was, you know, the Slayton touchdown right before halftime. It was coming off of a very quick pass interference, but the point is when you're not able to muscle a team, so to speak. Now, we do have a kid, Matt Pert, out of UConn. That's also a rookie. I think eventually he will be opposite Thomas, especially because of Nate Solder's opt-out. But, uh, you know, definitely work in progress. I think what I was encouraged about is that they're not quitting. Now, as far as keeping Khalil Mack honest, they're going to have to uh, shift block so to speak you know you're gonna have to have some stretch plays in there and to your point you know the tight ends are gonna have to help out I'm I I do hope though that we can figure out a way to get Ingram wide because I do see him as a matchup issue for the Bears defense and you know despite me saying that maybe the pass protection is needed the extra bodies aren't always the solution if you're spreading them out and now Khalil Mack has to worry if they're gonna hit a screen, a quick bubble screen, and now he's got to play sideline to sideline instead of coming up field. Um, again, that can keep him off balance enough to neutralize him at least a few plays out of the game uh, that can, you know, make or break a drive. And it's true because, you know, if, a, if that was to happen a couple of times, all of a sudden, Khalil Mack and his friends back there could be playing the pass. Next thing you know, you could hit him with a little... Inside zone read, and next thing you know, Saquon's in the, in the end zone. I mean, if you got, if let's let's play a hypothetical. If Khalil Mack is convinced that they're dropping back for a deep pass, right? He's going to come up field. He's going to try and break the corner, and he'll probably do so um, because of his speed and uh, burst off the ball. However, if you catch him off guard upfield, that's going to leave a massive gap that Saquon is going to get through and potentially have a big gain. So it's all about keeping those D linemen off balance. A lot of people want to avoid those star D linemen. That's not a sustainable strategy over the course of 60 minutes. So it'll be on the coaching staff to scheme in a way that protects the O-line, protects Danny Dimes, and really keeps Khalil Mack off balance. And I will say this. um, Unfortunately, when Daniel Jones threw that pick last week, which pretty much sewed up the game, and it definitely took the air out of the Giants. Leading up to that interception, it was a signature drive, 19 plays, 18 prior to the 19th, and uh, he improvised his way into the red zone. And unfortunately, if it would have ended with a touchdown, I think that's one of those drives 
that you look at years and years later and you're like, this is where this kid arrived. Kind of like Eli when he finally got his first win in his rookie year against the Cowboys, you know, after having such a rough rookie season, mm-hmm. losing, losing, and he had that signature drive. But there's, you know, this kid is young. He's learning. And um, most important, I do think that with the coaching of Colombo, who is uh, the perfect guy to really teach, because, you know, people forget how young this team is. And I think teaching, holding guys accountable, and just getting them prepped week to week and um, gradually learning from their mistakes, I do think as the season moves along, they are going in the right direction. I think people are often too quick with their reactions to young players. I think they underestimate the learning curve jumping from college to the pros. It's massive. And, you know, we've been spoiled by some of these young players doing so well so early. But, you know, people are ready to write guys off after year three. And for some positions, for some uh, schemes that a team might be running, that's just not reasonable. I'll give you a good example. Michael Strahan. There you go. He started his career on the left side. It didn't exactly go as planned. And there were other variables. You know, that was still Lawrence Taylor's defense. And, you know, you had some guys that were kind of passing the torch to the younger kids. But when the Giants moved Strahan to the other side, he racked up a Hall of Fame career and had this, to this day, the single season sack record. Yeah, so some of these players definitely, it takes a while for them to really get the flow of the NFL game. So, especially with a young team like you guys, they got to be patient. You got to see progress. Like, that drive that could have been a milestone moment, I think it works out better because looking at last year and seeing a drive in week one and defining it as uh, a career changer might not be as valuable as seeing over the course of the season because I think he's going to have that drive later in the year and you're going to get to see his growth um, in real time. Because he definitely had glimmers even last year, mm-hmm. like his, his uh, official first start against Tampa. He followed that up with a Washington win. He had his moments. He's definitely had his moments. And, you know, going in last year, you know, the the 24 TD, 12 pick differential, that's two to one. Very good stuff. You know, uh, he didn't fumble. He did not fumble in uh, week one. I'm going to hit the wood here. But, uh, you know, I do think that ball security is still something that that kid is. It's going to be a major part of where he's going. And last point I want to make when we're talking about, you know, judging these rookies too quick in all fairness, granted, he was a first-round pick. Andrew Thomas has been thrust onto the left side of the line mainly because of Nate Solder's departure. And I think where it hurts the Giants is not so much Nate Solder's performance on the field, more so the mentorship that he could have helped with this kid. Because uh, Nate Solder, very intelligent football player, you know, dealing with his own personal things, unfortunately, you know, son battling cancer. And, uh, you know, I, I agree why he took the time off for COVID. But, you know, always family first. But I do think in the here and now that does put a lot more responsibility on the young kid, which in the long run will probably be a blessing. All right. So um, you want to, for our listeners who may have missed our previous show, you want to remind them of your prediction for this game? Yes, I'm going to go 23-20 Giants. Um, I just think that they're going to win the turnover battle. Mitchell Trubisky did not play a very good game until the fourth quarter last week. I know our buddy Brett's been big on him, and he is uh, showing strides. But I like uh, I liked what I saw with the Giants' pass rush last week. Uh, Trubisky can still hurt you with the legs. Got to keep him honest, but I like the Giants in a close one. All right, so let's move on to my Cowboys for a little bit. 
Um, we're playing against Atlanta in Dallas, and Dallas is one of, I think, three or four teams that are allowing fans in the stadium. So there will be some uh, home field advantage. I think the cap is 20,000, so not a huge fan base, but enough to make some noise. Um, it'll definitely be different from last week where they played in L.A. and there was no fans. So that'll be interesting to see how that affects the game. Uh, the big storyline for this one is bounce back and injuries. Can the Cowboys bounce back after a disappointing week one? Um, and just the injuries. We are, are decimated by injuries. You have uh, Tyron Smith as very questionable for today with a neck injury. Um, I'm, I'm going to go on record and say he's not going to play. Um, and that's already with a banged up O-line. We're missing Lael Collins still. Uh, so we're starting a undrafted rookie at our right tackle. You know, the, the line is going to be a problem until we get healthy. Um, also on defense, facing a potent Atlanta attack, we get Jordan Lewis back, which is great. But Anthony Brown has been placed on our COVID IR, not for COVID, but the three-week IR, right? Different from years past. So he's out with a rib injury for the next few weeks at least. Uh, Alden Smith got a little banged up. He should be good to go. Amari Cooper was recovering, but he should be good to go. We're still uh, down Van Der Esch, likely for the season. Sean Lee still completing his time on the IR, so we're going to be thin at linebacker as well. It's going to be tough to slow down Atlanta with all that said. Uh, Rich, you got any predictions, any thoughts about this game you want to weigh in? Um, on Atlanta's side, I think their weakness at the left tackle position could keep uh, Dallas where they want to be on defense and compensate for some of their losses. It's another big one. Yeah, Matthews is questionable uh, at left tackle for Atlanta as well. So both teams dealing with O-line. And they he's also have, not just uh, – go ahead, Al. I'm sorry. Well, real quick, Sheffield, um, cornerback for Atlanta, is out for that, today as well. Um, they, they got a longer injury list, but most of them are going to play. You're going to see Charles Harris, D-line, out as well. Um, most of their players are a little banged up, but they're going to be playing with the exception of Sheffield for sure and Matthews potentially. potentially. I, I do like the Cowboys today despite their injuries. I think having the fans, their home opener, and in a palace like that, that echo is going to be real. And I think that's going to help them emotionally and just getting them fired up. But I do like that D-Law matchup because he's not, you know, this – this poor guy that's getting this, you know, the start there. He he's not just blocking anybody. You know, you're talking about a top five uh, player in this league on at his position. Uh, as far as um, the offensive side of the ball goes for Atlanta, Julio is playing hurt, and this is a, a common theme that has been plaguing him the last couple of years. Very tough player. You know, he doesn't miss many games, but he has been hampered, and this is a hamstring. Um, I just think Dallas has a little too much. Uh, to your point with the offensive line, they might not be able to lean on um, Atlanta the way that they normally do from their week-to-week approach. I mean, Zeke didn't have a terrible game last week, but he was limited. Um, I just think they have too many options even in the passing game, and I don't necessarily think that even with Dallas's O-line issues, Atlanta has what it takes to consistently get to Dak. I think with... Um, your three receivers that are all healthy and playing. I, I just Cooper's think they have got a lingering ankle issue, but he should be fine. I, I just think uh, at the skill positions and against the defense, then you saw the way they got torched by Seattle last week, and that was in their place. I, I just think Dallas has a little too much for them. Um, 
I know our buddy Jordan actually was looking at the over-under on this game, which uh, going into Thursday, it might have changed. It was 54.5. I think it sits just under there. Um, I could see Atlanta getting some garbage points. But um, this might be a little high and surprising, but I'm going to go uh, Dallas 30, Atlanta 24. I, I just think the Cowboys just have a little more, and after having that bad taste in their mouth... Um, especially to a team that beat them a couple of years ago in the playoffs, they're going to be motivated to get that first win in the McCarthy era. And, um, you know, hopefully for their sake, gradually uh, they'll be able to re- get some of these guys on defense back. I mean, Jalen Smith is still a phenomenal ball player out of Notre Dame. And, of course, you got D-Law. And regardless of other injuries, any team would love to have those two, regardless of who the other nine are. So I do like your chances today. Well, it's a, it's a huge game, honestly, for both teams because starting 0-1 is not panic mode. 0-2 statistically is a bad look for most teams. Of course, we had the 93 team that managed to turn that around. But um, let's see. I got a stat for you here. The 0-1 Patriots and the 0-7 Giants both started 0-2 and won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But league-wide, 321 teams have started 0-2 since the schedule went to 16 games in 1978. Only 11% of teams made the playoffs. I pulled that from The Athletic to give credit to uh, Bob Sturm, mm-hmm. um, the Dallas writer for them. It's a great stat, uh, so all credit to him for pulling that up. And, yeah, I think it's super relevant. This game is going to be huge for us. I might have to fact-check this, but to my knowledge, and you were you did make a slight mention of it while you fact the 01 Pats, the 07 Giants, I believe the last two NFC teams to win the Super Bowl starting 0-2 were your Cowboys and my Giants because Emmett held out, and they started off very slow that year. I do not recall another NFC team winning a Super Bowl starting 0-2 with the exception of your Cowboys and my Giants, at least in my lifetime. To my knowledge, in the Super Bowl era, I think the 93 team was the first or among the first teams to do it. I believe so. So it's, yeah, it, 0-2 is a very bad look. It's not necessarily give up the season. It's just your odds of having a great year drop significantly. I mean, let alone win the Super Bowl. Let alone it's win. more of an excellent thing if you could even make the playoffs starting 0-2. But winning the Super Bowl, that's just pretty crazy. But, yes, uh, me, you, and Brett's team have all done that, which is pretty interesting. It is. It is. Um, and – you know, so it's going to be crucial. I think McCarthy's going to have to really prove his metal here mm-hmm. um, because this is going to need to be a a, a coach one game. Honestly, um, last week I kind of mentioned it a little bit when we were breaking down the Giants game. The the O line D line play, right? The line battle um, is near and dear to my heart. I was a, a fat kid growing up, so I was an O lineman, yeah, right, yeah. for most of Pop Warner yeah, yeah. before I realized I was not going to be six foot three and three hundred pounds. Uh, and change positions. Point being, I have a lot of respect for line play, and that to me, I, I texted you guys early in that Rams Cowboys game and said, "This looks like 2018 playoffs. Uh, they're dominating us at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball." And I don't want to say that as um, they were getting in the backfield every time, but you can see the surge, and Aaron Donald was a huge part of it. They were pushing our O line back, and on the flip side, they were pushing our D line back. So. Even if there wasn't a massive hole, um, they were picking up four to six yards per run easy. And likewise, Zeke was having to break a tackle at the line of scrimmage. 
So that that's going to mess up your offense. It's going to put you in the obvious passing downs, which I'm a big Dak supporter, but no quarterback's going to um, have great success when the team knows you're passing, especially given that our O-line is banged up. So to me, the key to this game is we have to win the battle up front. Yes. We have to keep them off balance. That doesn't mean give Zeke the ball 25 times and every one of those is a first or second down run. We got to show balance. We got to get to the sidelines. What I've seen is we're too predictable with our trick plays, with our screen plays. They're a little too cookie cutter. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see if McCarthy can help. Um, in a lot of ways, he's coaching Kellen Moore, second-year coordinator. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can teach him how to be a little more unpredictable with those play calls because more so than the scheme, it's, it's keeping the defense guessing that's really going to make us click and open it up for our playmakers. I'm going to say this, and – it could be the difference between being a Super Bowl contender or just being a playoff team that's still moving in the right direction, which I do think the Cowboys' window is still relatively good to win. I have a feeling that if things are still a little scattered on offense and not totally polished, I do believe Mike McCarthy may take over the play-calling duties midseason. Um, but I understand the need to progressively get Kellen Moore going because when you're the head coach you wear so many different hats and I mean like look at Belichick in New England he has that advantage of having a Josh McDaniels where Belichick could really focus on the other side of the ball right not not to undercut his defensive coordinator by no, any not means, at all. but just saying that you know he's a general yeah out there kind of like his teacher Parcells but um getting back to your game for a second and I know you mentioned this to me if Todd Gurley can get going um it could take the air out of the ball same could be said for, for his counterpart, Zeke, across the field. But I do believe that uh, whoever wins the line battle, it's still simple at the end of the day, all this exotic stuff, it's still simple. If Atlanta can get Gurley going, the game could be more advantageous to them. I just, I just don't see the Cowboys coming out flat and not responding after what happened, and that's why I like them today. I, I do too, but I think it's going to be close, um, slightly under your um, 54. You mentioned I think it's going to be 27-21 in favor of Dallas. Uh, it should be a good game. So both of our games kick off at 1. Uh, we're going to have this out to you before then. So you'll get to tell us if we were right or wrong. Go ahead and leave us a message on the Anchor app. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to talk about some other games and Give you a little background into them and maybe a preview for the rest of your day. El, hold that thought one yeah. sec. Before we go on break, I forgot to get that in. Who do you think is going to win the, the game between uh, the Bears and my team? I don't think oh, we yeah, got yeah, that yeah. from you. Sorry, I didn't didn't weigh in. I'm going to go with 21-17 um, Bears, and it's going to be a couple mistakes that come back to bite you. Yeah. And, I, and I think it's – That's my fear. I think you guys are going to put a good game up. I think it's going to be part of the learning process for a young team. I think you guys – I told you early on, I think you're going 8-8. Eight and eight. I think you're going to have a slow start. Um, but they're really going to start putting it together um, in the second half of the season. We'll see what happens from your mouth to the football god's ears. All right. We'll be back in a moment. Guys, if you haven't already, you need to check out Focus Mobile Detailing. This is a family-owned business, and they don't leave until you're happy. So what they'll do is actually come out to your place of work or to your home 
while your car is parked in the driveway and do a complete detail on your vehicle. And then they don't leave until you're happy, guys. So if you see something you don't like, let Jovan know. He'll, he'll take good care of you. And if you guys subscribe to the Jordan Patrick Show, we'll give you 25% off any package that they have to offer. They do company and group packages as well. And the packages start as low as $45. So it's a damn good deal, guys. Check them out. And they aim for a showroom finish. They're family-owned, and they treat every car like it's their own. Give them a call today, 407-310-2976. Ask for Jovan. Once again, 407-310-2976. That's Focused Mobile Detailing. All right, everybody, we're back. Um, hope you enjoyed our first segment. If you're Dallas or Giant fans, if not, well, you skip to this segment. We're going to keep it in the NFC East, though, just to give our divisional rivals a little notice. Uh, let's talk about the Rams, who beat my boys, going up against the Eagles, facing that dreaded 0-2 mark if they lose. So what do we got, Rich? Um, in a normal season, I would say things stack up well for the Eagles because it would be a home game with a loud crowd. Yada, yada. Uh, I really like the Rams today. What the Washington football team showed last week was how putrid the Eagles' offensive line is right now. And they were all over Carson Wentz. I'm actually surprised that he survived the game. Um, for our fantasy cats and people like that, uh, I do believe that Carson Wentz, not just for fantasy purposes, but in the actual game, is going to use his two tight ends of Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz as a safety net. Uh, Jalen Rager could be a sneaky play today, but all in all, I just think the Rams are going to win at the point of attack. Um, it should be close. Uh, Philly's a well-coached team despite uh, their injuries right now, but they are really banged up both sides of the ball. And I, I just think the Rams are going to ride the positive wave of uh, moderately upsetting the Dallas Cowboys last week and uh, getting a tough road win in Philly. Uh, I'm going to go Rams 24, Eagles 17, and uh, Aaron Donald should have his way today, and uh, I hope for Carson Wentz's sake, because we never wish injuries on anyone. I hope he stays upright enough and doesn't get hurt, but it's going to be a very tough game for him. He's got to get that ball out quick. So you're going under, because they're at 46 for this game. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going under. Oh, yeah. All right. Very good. Uh, I'm with you. I think I think the Rams are going to use the same strategy they did against Dallas. Um, the only advantage Philly has is that they've got tight end weapons that Dallas does not have. So that might be a wrinkle that um, catches the Rams off guard. Uh, I, I'm with you, though. I think the, the D-line, the front seven for the Rams are pretty nasty. And the O-line was, as you said, exposed by Washington. So, yeah, I'm going to take the Rams in a close one as well. And the only thing that could catch the Rams – is, you know, the East Coast trip is never easy for a West Coast team. And early in the game it might show, but I just think the Rams are the better team today. And it's funny because on the main show I actually picked 30-20 uh, and agreed with Brett. But after thinking about it a little more, I'm sticking with that. 24-17, staying under. All right, so let's talk Washington and Arizona briefly. Um, are we giving Washington a shot here today? They're, um... Well, anytime that you have an aggressive defense – that's coming off of the kind of game they had, you definitely got to give them a shot. And Arizona, um, you know, they're moving north in the right direction, but this could be a setup for a letdown. 
their defense, uh, particularly against the run, is not all that great. I still think Washington is trying to figure out who their feature back is. They're using Peyton Barber. They're using um, the rookie, Antonio Gibson. Uh, they're still figuring it out in AP's departure. They're kind of using a committee. Um, I just don't think that the skins, excuse me, the football team, I keep doing that. Uh, I don't think the football team have the offensive power to stay with Arizona, especially if Arizona jumps in them early. Um, I will give credence to the fact that Washington does have a very good defense, but I just think there's too much talent on the other side of the ball. And I think, you know, if they're really getting overly aggressive and trying to get at Kyler Murray, he could beat you with his legs. He could beat you with his arm. He uh, reminds me of a very young Russell Wilson. Of course, he's young, so we'll see how far that ceiling is. But uh, I, li I like the matchups on offense more so in Arizona's favor. I think Washington puts up a valiant fight. I'm going to go 27-20 uh, Arizona. I think, the, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. Um, so you're right in line with the over-under. Um, pretty much right on the money. So that's that's a safe bet for you looking at it. It's not going to be a big win um, if you put in on that game. But, yeah, I think Arizona's a safe bet. The key matchup you're going to want to see is uh, if Kyler Murray can make the throws, the quick passes that they'd like to use in that offense, despite being a little undersized and facing a front seven that's got length to bat down a lot of those passes. So they're going to need to shift the pocket around, mm -hmm. uh, which they're very good at doing. It's going to be whether he can make those throws or not, because if he can't, I'm afraid he'll start pressing the game. And, um, you know, Washington's opportunistic. They they won that game because their defense made turnovers happen. So it'll be interesting. Um, I'm with you, though. If Arizona jumps out big, uh, Washington is not going to have an easy time fighting back. The two players in that game for Arizona that are the X factors, and it's not like the guys that you normally would think, I'm going to go um, Kenyon Drake. He's, you know, finding a new role there after some lost years previously. And uh, I'm going to go Chandler Jones on the other side of the ball. Uh, not the most talented defense, but he is an all-pro through and through. Uh, one of the few times the Patriots got something wrong. They should have never got rid of that man. But, uh, yeah, I like the Cardinals. All right. So let's talk about a game. We didn't really go deep on this on our uh, last JPS football show. So we're going to talk a little bit about the Vikings and Colts. Both teams started out with the loss. So they're also both uh, facing that dreaded 0-2. Um, let's, talk, let's talk about it. What do we got? Um, it's kind of funny after the performance that Minnesota put up against their rival Green Bay to say, this is my personal lock of the week. But they are. Um, I think uh, Green Bay did to the Vikings defense what a lot of people aren't necessarily going to do. Aaron Rodgers is that damn good. And um, what I saw in Indy in that Jacksonville game was they were terrible on getting off the field on third downs. I think there's going to be a healthy dose of Dalvin Cook. I think Adam Thielen's going to come out to play. I think Kirk Cousins is going to be on the money. I'm not saying Rivers is going to have a bad game. I just think that at the point of attack, Minnesota's going to win the game you know, front line to front line. And I also um, I also like their defense to make Phillip Rivers' day a little more complicated than it was last week. I mean, Rivers threw two picks against Jacksonville. I got to give Jacksonville credit. They were opportunistic. But uh, it's hard to believe that Indy lost that game regardless. And I just don't see it getting better this week. I did pick them to win that division. I'm sticking with it. 
But I think uh, they're going to gradually get to where they need to be. It's it's very tough when you switch teams and you're changing the identity. Um, I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. I You know, I'm with you on the pick, um, and I'm going to go a different angle that the health of these two teams. Minnesota's only down one guy. Uh, Dantzler is their, their cornerback. He's out today. Um, whereas Indy, you got a bunch of questionables. Uh, DB Rogers, Blackman, uh, Houston is injured on the D-line. You're missing Pittman and Pascal for wideouts. And Doyle, the tight end, is out. So you got a lot of questionable. So even if they play, they're going to be dinged up. The predictability is going to be tough. Indy's got a lot of injury issues. Of course, we're not even talking about their running back going down for the season, right? That's right. So they've got some major injuries on a team that is already trying to find their new identity. Um, I think this is a good pick to beat the spread. It's three points. I think Minnesota takes care of business. Um, They're going to beat them by at least two scores. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go 27. I'm gonna go 27, 16, Minnesota. I think uh, they could possibly put more on the board, but I think with the running game and taking the air out of the ball a little bit, leaning on them, I think uh, otherwise they could have won into the 30s possibly and really lit them up. But I think that's gonna be the kind of game you see. I think Indy's gonna fight hard. I just think that the predictability of what they're gonna do. It, Minnesota's a little too good for that, and I think they're going to beat them. I think you're looking more like 35-16 in favor of the Vikings. I think they're going to take care of business. I think the Colts are – I called this at the beginning of the season. They're going to take some time, sort of like Tampa, but a less talented version in many ways. Um, they're going to take some time to figure out their new identity. They're still going to be a quality team. I think the Vikings have more continuity, so they're going to take care of business, and they're going to be pissed off. I mean, it's one thing to get beat by Jacksonville, which would annoy anyone, but the Vikings started their season with Rodgers dicing them up in a divisional rivalry. Like, they're, they're going to be pissed off. And it was and a strange offseason like for Rodgers, too, so he came with a chip. But I wanted to, so uh, would you consider this a lock of the week? Because this is definitely my lock of the week. All right, so let's talk about couple more games before we wrap up. We want to touch again on the Patriots and Seahawks briefly. We went into it with Brett here. Um, we're going to give you our thoughts real quick. Rich, what do you got for me? Um, I think the Patriots, if they can neutralize Chris Carson, um, have a chance to actually pull an upset here. I don't think that they have the horsepower to hang with Seattle for the full game. And I, not a knock on their defense. I think it's more so the other side of the ball – uh, Jul- Julian Edelman's playing banged up, and I said this before with Brett. I don't think New England can stretch the field. Seattle is not the Legion of Boom anymore, but they still have a very good defense. They're still good. Yep. Yes, they are. And, um, you know, Russell Wilson is my early season candidate for a potential MVP this year. He's always in the mix. Um, I think... Uh, it's going to be close, but I think as the game gradually moves into the third, into the fourth quarter, Seattle will finally get the run game going. They're going to be able to hit them with that one-two punch of Hyde and Carson. And I think it, it sets up the play action where a guy like uh, DK Metcalf might be able to hit pay dirt. Um, I'm going to go Seattle 33, New England 23. I think New England's going to put up a valiant effort. And, you know, Cam... You know, what he did last week with his legs was impressive. I just don't think it's sustainable. You're playing a team like Seattle. I just don't like 
New England, but they will keep it close. So, I mean, the over-under only has 44.5 points this game. You're, you're going over that significantly with that prediction. Um, I think so the garbage time, is, and I think New England's defense getting tired towards the end of that football game is going to open up the door for that to go over. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure. I think, honestly, the scoreline might be a little more in line with the over-under. I think the the spread, not so much. Um, it's at, what, four in favor of Seattle. I think it's going to be a bigger game than that. Um, Seattle's going to take care of business. I think Cam's going to get a little bit exposed, not because he's not a great player, but because he's in a new system and his ability to improvise and just be more talented than the opposition was true last week against Miami, who has a solid defense, but not a great one. And Seattle's going to – they're going to be more disciplined. They're going to cut back on some of that. Cam will make his plays, but I think Seattle's going to force him into some big mistakes. I just think it's asking a lot. And I get it. it. There's no 12th man, but uh, that's still not an easy place to play regardless. No, it's a cross-country trip. It's yeah, it's going to be tough for the Patriots. Not uh, easy defense, for an East Coast team going there. Yeah, I mean, their defense will keep them around because they still have a great D. But, um, yeah, I think Seahawks are going to take care of business in this one. Yeah, they'll get tired. That's so, I'm seeing it that way. Let's let's wrap it up with our Monday night game. This was my personal upset special. I had a few calls. Y'all were laughing at me. But this one I, I genuinely believe in. Um, I think Las Vegas is going to beat the Saints in a close one. Um, let's see. Your over-under is 48.5. You got 5.5 in favor of New Orleans. I'm going to say it's going to swing the other way. I think um, – Las Vegas is going to win this by about five points or so. Uh, we'll say about 30 to 23 or so. My concern for the Raiders in this particular game is um, I saw what Christian McCaffrey was able to do, do to them last mm-hmm. week, even mm-hmm. in a losing effort. And I think uh, Carolina could have won the game, but there was some poor coaching down the stretch. I do like what Vegas is doing in the big picture, they have a very young team. Um, I think Gruden's the right man for the job. Um, I wouldn't be blown away if your upset does come to fruition, but I think that uh, with the absence of Michael Thomas, the Saints, with the combination of bringing in Taysom Hill during drives and incorporating Kamara into a lot of screen plays, and you also have Latavius Murray who could play the role of a battering ram, I think uh, the Saints are going to take the air out of the ball um, and I do think that they're gradually just going to wear down the Raiders. Uh, I know that this is a very big day for Raider Nation, new home, uh, majestic stadium. I'm looking forward to seeing what it looks like tomorrow night. Um, I'm going to go I'm gonna go Saints 27, Raiders 23. And I think it's going to be uh, a little lower scoring than some people are expecting. But I think it's going to be a good football game. Yeah, I mean, it should be it should be fun to watch. My concern with the Saints, again, has to do with Michael Thomas. Not that they lack for weapons, but he is undoubtedly their number one. Oh, no and question. And I think you're going to have that split-second hesitation of who gets the ball in crunch time. And I think in a tight game, which is what I'm predicting, that they're gonna, they're gonna, that split-second's going to kill them. Whereas the Raiders, they know what they are. Derek Carr is streaky, but the upside for them is he's – he started out hot, and I think he's going to ride that this week. I think they're going to put up some points. New Orleans might start a little slow like they did last week. Yeah, they've been notorious um, for that lately. Yeah, and, you know, 
I think they're a better team. I honestly do. But I think the, the circumstances have aligned for a serious upset this week. So if you're a gambling man or woman, um, I, might, I might be willing to put some money down on the Raiders pulling the upset this week. I will say this. Um, for your pick to come to fruition, I think Josh Jacobs is such a key factor. Opposite, other team, former Raider, I think Jared Cook is going to be a massive factor in this game with the absence of Michael Thomas. And I would say to our fantasy guys and girls out there, uh, Manuel Sanders could be a sneaky play at a wide receiver three. Uh, it's been a while since he's worn the hat of a number one, so it could be a little risky, but uh, he should get some looks tonight, uh, tomorrow night, excuse me. Yeah, uh, I also would say my pick, sleepy type pick, although at this point no one should be shocked, but Waller. I haven't heard him get quite enough love this preseason when he, he was a breakout last year. Yes, he was. So, you know, keep your eyes peeled for him. A lot of people question the Raiders' options, but he, he'll be a big part of this game. Um, again, I'm calling an upset. And we'll find out soon enough. And I've got Henry Ruggs collecting dust on my bench. I am not 100% sure if this is the week. That's what I think of Lattimore in that secondary. And that's another thing, too. New Orleans' defense is really the backbone of their team. And it's been a new thing with the changing of how they go about winning football games. Drew Brees is a first ballot Hall of Famer, of course, but little by little they are becoming more of a run-first, defense-oriented team. Should be a fun one. All right, that's going to do it for us. Uh, I just want to give a quick shout-out to um, JPS NASCAR, our DFS. Sean rocked it by himself. Um, it came out yesterday morning, and that is incredibly hard to do. He did an awesome job with it. Turned around and did a um, DFS football show with Mr. Patrick as well. They killed it too. So we got a lot of quality content in our feed for you guys to check out. Um, we're going to be continuing to bring you new stuff weekly and, you know, tune in. As always, if you're using Anchor, you can call in, give us feedback, questions, things you want us to talk about. I guarantee you we will get to them. So if you want to chime in on our show, please do. Um, that's it for me today, Rich. Yeah, one thing, I, last thing I'd like to say, uh, following what you just said, uh, Sean has been a major blessing to the show, part of our extended family here, doing a great, great job with the NASCAR. The winning percentage that he's put up is great for our friends who gamble. And um, the just the analysis that they put up with the injury reports going in, uh, this is a place where you guys can always get prepared for the betting people, the fantasy. We got this on lock, and uh, we thank you so much for listening. All right. Thank you for listening. Enjoy your football Sunday. Oh.